Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Um, hello, check, check. Yeah. C3 East Village. Go, go. So good to have you here tonight. Hello, hello. Pastor B in the house speaking tonight. Hey, woo, isn't woo, that woo, awesome? Woo. I just want to um, give a shout out to B because oh, before she falls over. Um, well, these are like wobbly. Oh, we're going to no. be having an interesting night. <laughs> You'll be able to tell if we're nervous because we like spinning around. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Pastor B, I, 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 uh, I, I asked her slash signed her up. Uh, speaking here tonight, and you know she's we've got a new baby, pretty pretty new, so she's being a mom and feeding baby before service and, and juggling it all and just doing an amazing job already. Brittany and I were the location pastors up here with me today, and um, for those who don't know, Brittany and I were the location pastors here at. Should I lower it down? I feel like there we go. This is fun. Um, if it's your first night here, welcome. You chose a great night to come to church. If you're on your first date here, you chose an interesting hey. night to come to church because we're going to be speaking about relationships. But I wanted to give a shout out to um, some newly married Mr. and Mrs. Hone here, Crystal and Chris yes. at the back, got married just in the last few weeks. So Chris has uh, been a member of the church for a long time and it's great to get to meet Crystal there. So, um, you know, we don't let this craziness of COVID stop us from anything, even getting married. Amen. So it's an awesome thing. And we're just happy you're here. And do you want to say anything or before we get going? I'm kind of just a little nervous, so I'm filling in time. This is the first time we've done something like this. And I did want to set a bit of a context before we get going with um, Serena here, and we're in the hot seat. And there's an opportunity to type in questions uh, along the way. And Brittany and I inspire in some ways, maybe ways, is to encourage you. Um, maybe inspire in some ways, maybe you can learn from some of mistakes or struggles we've had, but it is not in any way, shape or form, there's no judgment in this place. I don't want there to be condemnation in this place. If you start to feel that in any way, that's not the spirit of what we're trying to do, and it's not what God would have for you tonight. Now, there's maybe conviction in some areas, um, because for every relationship, whether it's friendship, dating, um, uh, what's the, it's complicated on Facebook, the status, marriage, uh, post-marriage in some circumstances. Um, for any relationship here, there's a number of different stories of how it got to that place, of the circumstances around it. And so Brittany and I are going to be sharing from our story and our experience, and it may look different to yours, and that's okay. That's totally fine. Um, because whether it looks like ours, whether it looks totally different, uh, and whatever stage you're at, and even if you think you asked any relationship, the message of the gospel is that it's not too late, that in Christ, any relationship failure or mess up or in any way can be restored, and that God can have better days for you ahead from the ones that have gone. So I just want to set that context here. And, and also, I want to say, um, if you're single in this place, if you're married, if you're dating, if you're post-marriage, like I said, uh, we've got a really... Get rid of the myth, I think, that's grown up in, in some church culture that it's all about getting to the next stage and then you'll be at a relationship with God that's different. 
because my Bible tells me and my experience with Christ is right where you're at now. You can be complete in Him. You can experience His love in full right now. And maybe it's your first time in church and tonight you're going to think, what are these crazy guys up here talking about? But wherever you're at, whatever you've done, wherever you've been right now, you can experience God's love. You shouldn't idolize it. You've got to stop looking forward to that next season. We should look forward to the next season, but we shouldn't idolize it. And I see way too many people who are dating going, well, when I'm married, things will be better. Or married people saying, well, when I have kids, things will be better. And then maybe married people saying, when the kids are out of home, uh, things will be better. Amen. Or, or people looking back and uh, <laughs> Pastor Lon and Kelly are cheering from the back there. Um, and, uh, and we just got to be okay with the fact that all seasons of life look different, but God can meet us in full in that season you're in. So disclaimer done, but also that's my encouragement tonight. If you feel anything that isn't the Spirit of God tonight, we apologize because um, we're a little nervous. It might be we don't communicate it well, but we're believing the Holy Spirit will speak beyond that. So I just want to pray into that before we get started, um, and I take up your entire 40 minutes here. But let, let's just close our eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And Lord, I just thank you tonight. Your Holy Spirit's moving. And Lord, where there's complications where there's stuff going on right now and there's many in this place in each one of us there's multiple stuff going on right now lord i pray you would just speak to our hearts lord god and where human words from Brittany and i can't articulate things well or um it comes across wrong i, I think you're bigger and greater than that lord and that you're speaking to people's hearts tonight i pray for a protection upon every single person here that there would be no judgment in this place There'd be no condemnation. That's from the enemy. So we say he has no power here, God. And because of your, um, what you did on the cross, your, your death, your burial, your resurrection, wherever we're at in this place, we can declare that victory is ahead and that it's never too late and that whatever's going on, you still fully love us. You're fully for us. And anything that comes up that might convict us, we know it's for our own good because you're a loving God who only has good gifts for his kids. So I pray your protection over tonight, that we can have some fun, Lord, that we can encourage and inspire, but most of all, your Holy Spirit would touch and speak to each one of us. Amen. To it, you guys. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's get into it, you guys. Um, the, the team's going to put up a phone number on the screen. We, we do cover uh, all different kinds of, of a wide range of questions, but please text in your questions to the number on the screen at any point, and then at the end we'll have uh, a few moments for Pastor Brent and Steve. The ones on the fly are always the best. It's the ones they just say in the moment from the heart. Okay, so... It's a little bit small, but it's 587-876-6886. So text a question in. I'm not going to out you with your name. Um, so be let's nice. get into be it. Be nice, but I do want to say we'll be as open as we can be and it's appropriate to be. Um, anyone who knows us or anyone who's done pre-marriage with us or anything is we try to really be open to you guys in a relationship. So feel free to text anything in. And if, Brit if uh, Serena decides that it's... Um, that it's R-rated or something. Maybe we can just... Oh, yeah, anything that we can't answer question. Sorry to... I, I Serena know, can answer it. How about that? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, anything that we can't answer, Serena's going to answer tonight. Um, so make sure okay. that the really hard ones are directed to her. I did want to say, and I meant to say this before, at the end of the month, on our next service, two weeks from now, which would be the 21st, 
Sunday night we're going to be meeting here, and I'm going to be speaking on becoming unoffendable in the age of offense. And in hindsight, I should have preached that message first before we opened up this where there's going to be plenty of opportunity to be um, offended. But, um, but I just wanted to remind us that on the 21st, mark it in your calendars, and we'll be speaking about offense because that is something in all relationships, whether it's our relationship with God, relationship with our friends, each other. Um, I really do feel like this day and age, uh, we have the ability, maybe not to become unoffendable, but to definitely um, set ourselves apart from this world by building up defenses against taking on the offenses of this world. Okay, take it away. (laughs) Super good. Okay, so some of you may know Pastor Stephen Brett's story better than others. Um, The don't, can you give us a little brief brief synopsis of how you met the the story from being single people to now married with two children? I will start it from where we met. I guess. Um, let's just, yeah, yeah, I'll start from there. Um, so we met at Bible College in Sydney, Australia. Um, we were doing worship and biblical theology, which was awesome. We were in the same um, st- stream is what they called it. Yeah. Um, and so as a vocalist and as a guitarist, we did classes together all the time. But the thing with us is our two good friends at Bible College actually started dating. So we were the third and fourth wheel, which was... We hung out because we had to hang out. Yeah, let's just put it that way, in a nice way. Um, yeah, and so we met at Bible College, which was awesome. Yeah, so I'm from a place called Tasmania. Britt's from Canada. We met in Sydney. Oh, there's our first photo together Both ever. First. What is this? Is this dating? This, this was pre-dating. This, pre- is pre- this is friends. Friendship. Let me just set it up. When I first saw Steve, I forgot to mention this. I'm sorry about I have food in my mouth in that photo. That's <laughs> yeah, embarrassing. Dumb. When I first saw Steve, he actually had the spikiest hair. Imagine this, spiky hair, red bandana, eyebrow ring, a Jetsons t-shirt, long black shorts, high socks, and Converse on. What's not to love? <laughs> How could you not? Right? Stephen Flight, right there for so you. So that's our first, yeah, our first photo there, I think, yeah. together. And um, I think there's a couple others. That yeah, what's the, other, what's the next one we, we have? A, I think a, that was when we started dating. See, Look at that ring? eyebrow ring, though. Bling, bling, right there. I'm looking at my nose right now. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I'm not going to look at the screen anymore. Um, but okay, wait, wait. We got one more, though. We got one more. Yeah, that was engaged. Yeah. engaged. So I, we'll talk a bit about that later, but that was at Lake Louise. And then married Aww. in Hawaii. We got married in Hawaii. So nice. And again, this is our story, and everyone's going to look very different. But that's a little bit of ours. So what happened there from there is um, Brittany and I became good friends. And that's a big part of our story. Uh, we developed a friendship, and we didn't dive into dating or anything like that. In fact, um, now as a married couple going through Brittany's journal together, we were reading through it, um, it was quite obviously in the first few months of our meeting that she uh, only saw me as a friend. Um, and, um, and I saw your heart. She, I was looking yeah, at your heart. Looking at my heart and seeing, and, and it's great. And then, uh, But, hey, at the end of the day, we're in our 10th year of marriage. We have two kids. So I'm not complaining about those first few months. But I was like, hang on. You didn't just think I was awesome straight away? Apparently not. And so we ended up um, very quickly. We don't want to just talk about us, but it kind of is in a way. Um, we uh, started dating second year of college. And dating isn't probably the way that some people would think dating. We entered into what my father-in-law would like to call courtship. Courting. Over Let's there. go. But really, we knew already because of our friendship that we developed that this was, we were now taking it to the next step of, okay, 
It wasn't confirmed that we're getting married or anything like that, but it was, we had the intentions of seeing if this was the, the next chapter. Um, Britt flew back to Canada. I felt called back to Tasmania. So we were apart for six months. I flew to Canada um, and proposed to Brittany. And um, there was a little bit of risk in that. Uh, namely, I knew that my father-in-law owned a lot of firearms. Um, and uh, But I wanted to come over and do that. We split again, not split, but... Physically, we were distanced again for our entire engagement. We met in Hawaii, uh, saw each other for three days, got married, came back to Canada for a week. But the visas hadn't cleared either way. So we decided we were staying in Australia. So our first month and a half of married life was actually long distance as well. So there you go. I'm sure there's many more details, but we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, so initially, what were some things for both of you that attracted you or intrigued you or interested you about the other person? Um, I had actually, we'll talk about it a bit later too, but a list. Oh, a list of a man. Um, but there is the needs. We dread those lists. <laughs> oh, man. There is the needs, the non-negotiables, and then the wants. So for me, I was finding that someone was checking off the needs that I needed on my list. And so... Stephen actually made the first move, but he... I, I want to hear more about this list. Um, <laughs> so, so, just again, context. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Um, so you might look at Brittany and I and go, we're you know, very similar, and we are in many ways. Uh, we have a few differences. Uh, Brittany grew up in a, with a Christian heritage um, and was, you know, uh, made commitments to, to purity and that and praying into her husband. I didn't have any of that background. Um, and although we're we look like a similar um, ethnicity and everything, even the Australian and the Canadian culture is actually quite different, as, uh, as my good friend Jeremiah and I talked about a bit this week, that there are some differences between Aussies and Canadians. And so, but this list, so how did you go about, was that a list that you, talk to me about that. I had a list of... Hijacking <laughs> it, sorry. <laughs> no, the list. Um, I actually, I had a list of non-negotiables. So my three non-negotiables was that he loved the Lord with all his heart, he loved the church, and that he would love me. And so those were the three you couldn't, um, yeah, I couldn't mess with those. So when I actually first saw Steve, I thought he was a cool surfer guy, wanted to get to be friends with him. But it, it was kind of... I was praying along the way throughout Bible college because on my would-be-nice list, I had an Australian accent, which I was like, this could be cool, a surfer, wow. all this. And so praying into my husband along the way um, actually opened that for God to open my eyes when needed. And so along the journey of meeting Stephen, getting to know him as a friend, courting him, um, yeah, he started checking the boxes on the non-negotiables. There you go. And you were doing, like, you were praying as a teenager in that direction and that list. When Started it. I didn't make a fit. Um, let's, I, th I was about 16. Cool. Started it. I didn't make a physical list, but um, I, those three top ones for me was this would be my non-negotiables as well, of someone who, who first and foremost loved, loved Christ. Um, I Again, I didn't grow up Christian. I got saved as a teenager, but this became my life. Um, when you have a radical encounter with God, like many of us have hit, you can't, you can try to walk away from that. You can do all these things, but at the end of the day, that is the core driving force of, of our life. Not just our relationships, our job choices, our where we live, all these things are driven by that. Um, love the church and love me as well. So there you go. We did it. Well done. 
We actually, and we've already had a couple of texts and questions, and maybe you want to touch on this now, um, what the difference is between dating and courting. Yeah, it's an old-fashioned word, hey. <laughs> it makes a lot of us, like, cringe a little bit. Do you want to touch on that? Or? No, you go. I, th I, think it, I think a part of it comes down to intention. Um, but it's so true. In, to get over the language, I kind of used it as a bit of a, a joke and a bit of a dig. But, um, but it's so true, intention. And I guess, again, I was going to get into it later, but since coming to Calgary, Canada, but I think it's more of a global thing at the moment, um, and for the last three and a half years, pastoring, and every week, multiple of the issues that come up are relational around dating and marriage and those kind of complications. I've seen two what I'd call dating extremes in the Christian culture, or relationship extremes, and that would be one that it's too casual, that a date, date this person, date that person, and, and you, you know, it's very casual. And the other extreme of it is um, the idea that there's one soulmate, this one person out there that God's just going to part the heavens and it's gonna, he's going to drop down or she's going to drop down and I'm going to know it. And there are those stories that take place, but generally that's not the case. And so courting would be uh, the intentionality behind why you're doing what you're doing and, um, and also some of the ways of how you go about doing that. And, and it's uh, really it's developed in the context of it, I think, of like, well, we'll just see how this goes. Um, I believe it's developed in the context of community best and the people around you. And so like Brit and I's stages of not knowing each other, friendship, feelings of, of attraction, and then into it, there wasn't a time where we were going on dates to see whether this was the person to keep dating. It was a process of courting. And th there's a better definition from that. You should see Pastor Lorne afterwards. He would love to talk to you about that. It's great. Um, so you guys touched a bit on your long-distance dating time, which maybe some people can relate to that. Maybe it's smaller or, or more. What was that like? Some challenges, but also um, how did that maybe benefit your relationship? Yeah, long-distance relationship is tough, um, but it, also, it grew us as friends most of all. Um, so being Australian and being Canadian, we actually only had a five-hour time slot in a day depending when I knocked off work at Starbucks to when Hugh actually started work. So, um, and then try to figure out how two hours, actually, we got to quickly text each other, see how each other are doing, um, and then try to figure out how to do the whole Skype at the time um, ordeal. So it was tough. We're talking 12 years ago, people. <laughs> Technology wasn't that advanced. So long-distance relationship is tough. Yeah. You take out the physical of the relationship, um, and you really get to work on the friendship, but the challenging side of it was our community. He didn't know my community, I didn't know his community, I didn't know his friends, so like asking what kind of guy this is, well like things about him, so that was tough. For sure, and again, I think generally relationships are best worked out in the context of community. And we, you know, we got to visit each other, but we didn't get to do that. We had our Bible college friends and experience, so that was part of that process. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it's very, very doable. Has anyone, is anyone in a long-distance relationship, been in one, had one? Yeah, there's a few nods and hands. It, it is doable, guys, but it does come with its different um, complexities there. So. That's great. Chemistry, how important is chemistry? Here we go. We're getting into it now. In a dating relationship, how important is chemistry in choosing your spouse versus or in addition to character? So by chemistry, do you think that means that initial spark that we just click together really well? Yeah. It's like, I would call it like, you know, your, you vibe. 
Um, I would scratch the chemistry, <laughs> not fully, but character is a huge thing, especially looking into a guy, his character um, is huge. So character versus chemistry, geared towards more of a character of the person rather than the spark between you right away. Because like I said, for us, I want to know him over time, we clicked. <laughs> yeah, so if you had to pick one, Brits saying that character, because Brits a black and white personality, I thrive in the gray area. And uh, I think both are important. And so obviously we weren't repelled by each other when we first saw each other. <laughs> Pretty good indicator we can develop a relationship. Um, I, when I think of chemistry, that's an idea, and I think we'll probably touch on it, I'm sure it'll come up, of falling in love. I, when I think of chemistry, that spark that happens, there's this idea of fall, falling in love. Uh, I would say um, that's, uh, that's uh, not a great term for it, but that idea of falling in love, that chemistry, that spark, um, scientists have actually figured out um, that that actually can only last two to three years in a relationship. This is an actual thing. And if by that point, after two or three years, that, that falling in love, however strong it was, eventually wears off. And if it's not replaced by something with more, more substance, which I think would be the character and the integrity of a relationship coming into it, then that's when they find um, a lot of relationships actually fizzle out because they were relying more on the chemistry or relying more on the falling in love than they were in the foundations of what a healthy, godly relationship looks like. So both are important, but I'd agree with Britt there. The character thing is um, super, super key. That's great. Someone who is Okay, what does it mean to want to be with someone who is equally yoked. What, do, what does that even mean? And is it wrong to date somebody who isn't a Christian? Pastor Stephen. Let's look at the... So the um, bring, bring it out the Bible. Is this okay? I hope this is okay. I hope um, we're getting into some of the answers to these questions. Time's flying by. I just want to look at the scripture there. So I believe that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, so I, I did expect that to come up as well and marked it out. Um, this term equally yoked, because I believe, yes, it is, but I do want to look at the context of that scripture, because sometimes we only apply that to marriage or relationships, and the context of the scripture is actually slightly different, although I do believe it would come in on that. So that is, um, let me just scan here. Do you want to say anything about that? Or mm, No, I was, so roughly, I was, when I was younger at a uh, preteen conference, I remember the one, this one lady said that, with you and your husband, you'll be running a race at the direction, kind of. So for me, that was running with the same intentionalities in the same direction, kind of, equally. You wouldn't be all out of sync kind of thing. So that's, that's roughly what I would say. That's great. And that's what a yoke is. So in the Bible, there was two kinds of yoke, but really the image of it is um, like a farm animals that were next to each other paired to plow, and they would have a yoke across their neck, a big board, that would join them together. That's the image of it. And in the time of the scripture being written here, a yoke was something that a rabbi would have. And you would actually, if you were a disciple, you would attach yourself to that yoke. And some people's yoke was a little easier. Hey, my yoke's easier. Come and be my disciple. And it was a list of rules and, and things like that. So the image here is a yoke of two people with a board across their necks, keeping them in line. Um, and it says in uh, chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians Chapter 14, sorry, verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and believer? What agreement is 
look that word up later. <laughs> or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And it goes on, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So do you notice anything in that verse? Does it talk about dating or marriage in any way? Not directly. But I do believe it applies to beyond that and would impact because I believe our walk with God is not meant to be compartmentalized. Thank you. Um, but it actually flows into all of our life. So how would that scripture apply? It would not just apply in our relationships. It would apply in our business dealings, in our friendships. As much as possible, your next of relationships, I believe it is important to be... Uh, as much as possible, yoked with someone who's running at the same pace with you. It doesn't have to be perfect. I, I really, it grates me when people get up and say a married couple needs to be fully in sync and running. I actually have found and we've found it's more we're going in the same direction, but we're not always perfectly aligned on things. We're not always perfectly to the details chasing after exactly the same things. But when we come back to that driving force of Christ, the church, and each other, we're heading in the right direction. Um, so I don't want to be the guy who ever sets rules and regulations, and I don't believe that's the heart of the Bible. It's actually about relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Everything we read it should be out of relationship with God. Why would he want us to not be yoked with people who are potentially, you know, walking way slower than we're running or vice versa? It's for our own good. Mm-hmm. It's because he knows that it would be hard for us if we were super on fire for God and someone who, who wasn't super on fire for God, it's going to add but it will be, and it's going to make things hard. Is it impossible? Nothing's impossible with our God, but it will be a factor, and it will play into our relationship. Yeah, and if he, if they are, if she's not a Christian or he's not, bring them to church or bring them around your friends. Yeah. Get to know him. Let him mix with your community. I know there will be people out there who would be dating someone who you're going, well, am I unequally yoked or, or not? There's no condemnation. Something to pray about and think about. Um, it's not about, by the way, being a Christian isn't about what someone has on their Facebook status or their thing. It's actually about the fruit of their life. And I've found some people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves a, a Christian Christian, and maybe they have more Christ fruit in their life than someone who um, prays around that I'm a Christian. So just saying that, just because someone says they are, we look at the fruit of someone's life. It's really good. The text and questions are blowing up, which is aw- Great. which is awesome. Keep them coming. Um, well, we'll save them to the end here. But okay, red flag or deal breaker? You sort of touched on this, Pastor Steve. How important is it for your bids? How much is it important to be in a relationship, politically, socially, kids? How much is it important to be on the same page about certain things? And how much is it okay to have different perspectives in these things? Um, again, I believe it's a layered thing. So is it impossible if, you know, someone has a completely different political view to have a great relationship? No, it's not impossible. We have some great pastor friends actually in in Canada here who um, vote very separately in the election, very differently. They cancel each other out, really. Yeah, yeah, good point. Just don't bother voting. No, that's that's the moral of the story. No, not really. Uh, But uh, so... 
I, w- I would say, again, I don't want to make too black and white statement about this, but every time there is a core big belief that's different, it does add an extra layer that you're going to have to work through. And I've found, and Brittany and I have found, we do find that we tend to three priorities in our life, Christ, the church, and, and each other. We do find that we tend to fall in the same kind of gap of things. So it's not like she's extreme this way, I'm extreme this way. We, because our driving forces to the best of our abilities are the Word of God, relationship with Christ, loving each other, we find that we, on most things, do fall into the same values, the same ideas, but I don't think it's impossible. Is it a deal breaker? No, it's a, it would be a flag to me. Not a red one, a yellow one. Um, uh, and these are conversations that you should, that wasn't an option. You should have early on um, in these kind of things because uh, I know married couples who, yeah, they thought that um, someone was as passionate about Jesus as they were, and after they got married, they soon realized their definition of what being passionate about Christ was was very different. That adds a complication. I know people who see social issues very, very different. It does cause an issue. Again, you can work through it, but these are things that do continuously add and make a relationship. I'm going near those kids. One would be kids. Are you going to have kids uh, in, your, in your future? Or there's no way I'm going near those kids. Well, that would be an issue too. So uh, maybe we're being a little bit centered for some of you guys. You'd like a bit more black and white rules on it, but uh, I do believe... God can come in and steer that and direct that, and it's very dependent on personalities. It's very dependent on the circumstances. I would just say, if you guys have opposing views on a lot of things, it should be a conversation to have and maybe a flag. Awesome. All right. Spicy question coming at you. Hello. How far is too far? What does it look like to pursue purity in your relationship? And can you also please talk about some practical physical boundaries pre-marriage, obviously. Take it away, Pastor B. <laughs> you want me to go first? How, how far is too far, Pastor Steve? I, I, believe, <laughs> I believe that's the wrong question. Because what we're asking when we say how far is too far is what can I get away with? That's religion. Yeah. That's not relationship. What's going to... So relationship with God doesn't say what can I get away with. It's what's going to honor God, what's going to honor this person I'm in relationship with. And so I'm redefining the question a little bit, but I think that's the wrong question. How far can I get away with? It's one we've all had. Okay, so everyone's had that. And it's not just in relationships. This is in all areas of life. What can I, what can I get away with? What's the boundary? And I think we need, as soon as we start thinking like that, we need to switch our perspective and our heart to go, what's honoring God and what's honoring the relationship here? I see this in, in all things of church life. How many times do I have to serve in the church? How many times should I attend? Um, sh- what is the minimum I have to give to the church? These are all, I think, just religious questions. They're not relationship ones. What would honor God? What would honor the other person um, is where That's I'd really switch good, that. Yeah. Um, and I would just, before I throw it over to Pastor B, to kick this one out of the park... Um, I would also just say purity doesn't end at marriage, and in many ways it should of our life. And purity culture gets a bad uh, reputation at the moment, and in many ways it should of um, what it became in Christianity. But I think there's some pe- prominent people pushing, um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to purity culture at the moment. I think the problem is when it becomes about our behavior more than our heart, when it becomes about the rules more than our relationship with God, that's where it gets off track. 
Um, so, but purity doesn't end in dating. Uh, we're 10 years married now, and we still have to make sure we're keeping um, purity in our lives. That's a sanctification process through marriage, through singleness, through dating, through it's complicated, and maybe through post-marriage. I'm sure through anyone who's maybe, um, you know, because the reality is marriage sometimes doesn't work out in this world, um, or things happen to people. We have some good friends who have uh, lost a spouse recently. You know, uh, purity continues on in every aspect of our life, not just dating. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, purity for me is such, oh, I have a heart for all women in purity, but everyone in this. And yeah, like Steve said, it's very much a heart decision um, that flows our actions. I love it in this, um, first, Thess- first Thessalonians 4, 4 to 5, actually. If I can open my phone. <laughs> An iPhone. That's why it's a struggle. You should stick with an Android. Steve hates on the iPhone. You don't have to agree with everything in marriage. Phones. Here it goes. Yeah, bingo. First Thessalonians four, four, five, and seven. It says, "Yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity, not yielding to lustful passions like those who don't know God." I love it. Jump down to seven, uh, verse seven. For God's, called on our, for God's call on our life is not to a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrendered in holiness. I think that kind of sums up purity to me. Because um, our pursuit for purity is actually um, with our pursuit of Christ and how we want to follow after Christ. Um, but the, yeah, the opportunities don't stop in like our purity. We need to keep each other in check. We need our friends to help keep us in check. That's a big one, our friends. Yeah. Yeah, I find often, um, and I had, in seasons where I've had a great group of guy friends who have kept me accountable in areas, we've been willing to talk to each other about this stuff, way way less temptation, way less um, struggle in that area. But yeah, man, like every season of life, you have the opportunity to to either step into God's purity, and his purifying process is uh, a beautiful one or to step out of that, and that was a great verse to share there. I think that just sums it up so well. Yeah, I love this. Uh, I actually, I found. <laughs> but it says, purity issue isn't so much about want to be sexual. It's more our need as a human and the desire to be loved. And there's something, if we look to man, we're actually, we need a, that only God can, our, our can fulfill. We're actually, we need to center our lives and put front and center who Christ is and that whole yoke. If Christ is our... our yoke nos- yourself to Christ. <laughs> yeah, yoke ourselves to Christ. But that's our North Star. That's what I was saying. Christ is where we're headed. We want to be more like Christ in every action of our life, not only um, reading of the word, but in, in all of us, in who we all are. So the pursuit of purity is actually back to our pursuit for Christ and how that pursuit is. Yeah, and uh, I know time's ticking along here. Wow, we're having fun, and uh, I don't want to prolong it. But the purity thing, uh, I just really, again, I can only speak to a guy's experience, but the reality is more and more pornography uh, is a male and a female issue. Um, Bible colleges don't ask people anymore, have you, like on the application process, have you uh, viewed pornography and stuff because they're trying to, you know, application process, they say how much. I find that really interesting. The assumption, I've seen a lot of guys, that's the world we live in. That's how corrupt it's become. 
Um, but I've seen a lot of guys push through their dating and going, well, it's fine. When I get married, it's just going to be over. But it, that might be true if it was purely a physical thing. Sex, sex, sexuality, pornography, these things that we consume are actually something our heart gets attached to. We develop soul ties, and then they're very disappointed when they find that, oh, I'm married now. Why do I still struggle with this area? So using those seasons where, when, of singleness or whatever we're in to actually go back to the heart with Christ is so important. It's really good. Is this okay? Is this helping anyone tonight? Um, I hope so, because we might go a little later. If you need to just get up and leave, that's fine. But we do have more time. I just am being conscientious of Saranna's giant list of questions. Giant got. list. Man. Um, kind of actually going off of what you're saying, my lovely roommate and I were watching a movie last night on Netflix. And, like, truthfully, this is something that has, like, been heavy on my heart recently. Like, borderline Netflix movies being, like, pornographic. And so, as dating apps and social media is affecting even dating culture, um, as well as dating apps and social media, and what we're watching, whether it, it, you know, not necessarily pornography, but just what we're seeing, and does it contribute to the the bigger better syndrome? In other words, you know, you, you want that, then that's not good enough. I want the next best thing, the next best thing, the next best thing. Yes. <laughs> it's contributing. Um, yeah, we need to guard our eyes is a big thing. And the world is, it puts it like Netflix, the shows, what's in front of our eyes. There's, it's everywhere. And so for us, there's actually, the, our compass inside it as believers is the Holy Spirit. And so if that discernment is like, oh, I don't know about this. Oh, do I like it? Like it's questioning it, just turn it off. You don't need a question, like, mm-hmm. or call a friend and be like, have you seen this? Is it? okay, like, what do you think of it? Talk to people about it, and yeah. If they're a good friend, they'll give a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the right friend, but totally that's it, and um, it's everywhere, right? Like, we face but we are meant to protect us. It's the reality of it. We're not, as Christians, we're not meant to hide from this world, but we are meant to protect ourselves from it, and I think I spoke last time a little bit on um, the, I, I believe, and I'm starting to kind of get this revelation now for me personally of the whole idea of being in the world but not of it. And maybe you haven't heard that. Jesus says that to his disciples at the end of it, the life. He says you can be, uh, they're going to be in the world but, but not of it, to paraphrase it basically. Um, it doesn't mean to remove yourself physically from the world, but I believe it means to remove ourselves from the driving forces of this world, the strongholds of this world, and actually gives us the ability in this world to detach from those influences and needs. But it's all around us. So it, it requires intentionality of what you watch, what you listen to, uh, what you read. What was the question? Sorry. I'm just... how, like, how does that contribute even to dating culture and wanting the next best thing always? I think it offers a cheap, the idea of movies are an hour and 42 minutes approximately. I think that's the average movie that's meant to be a lifetime um, of what they, they do. And they're trying to put a something that's meant to be a lifetime, a relationship, in an hour and 42-minute slot. It's not going to work. We love movies. We're not against movies. We love series, all that kind of thing. So, um, but we just got to go in it knowing that it's fake. It's not real. It's not a representative of what God has for your relationship. Um, and it gives you a cheap fix, and it presents the idea that a relationship is a cheap, cheap fix a one-night stand, or that sex is going to be awesome on the night that you hook up with your married person, but in a movie dating, um, that it's all these things, and it's all about a cheap version. It's very interesting to me. In the Old Testament, we see Esau and, and Jacob, I believe, um, brothers, and Esau uh, comes in, and he's super hungry, and he sells his birthright for a stew that's in front of him. 
because he's like, I'm so hungry, I, just, I need it. And he actually sells his destiny short for a cheap fix. And that's what the world's offering in our relationships too, a cheap fix. And God can work through it. God can do amazing things because we've got a robe. He's given the ring. He's given the prodigal son. When he returns to the father, he's given the robe. He's given the ring. He's given the, the royal treatment. That's the covenant we're in as New Testament believers. But I do believe it's better to not have to go through the pain and harm of that process. Don't, let's not. It presents a cheap fix. So let's call it what it is. Know it for what it is. And like Pastor B just said there, um, if there's any flag or discernment, just turn it off. It's all right. There's a different show. There's a different... We have too many shows on Netflix anyway. I sit there for like 15 minutes. I can't decide on what because it's such a big list of now. And if you're getting any flag in you, you should just run from that. That's great. Switching gears here again. Uh, What are your thoughts on gender roles and expectations in marriage? Are they old-fashioned? Is it really biblical? And what does that really look like? Can you give an example? Yeah, um, that the the man and the couple is meant to do these certain things and the women's meant to do this, like the the expectations. I would say something that you see a lot more. Feminism is a movement in itself, especially in the last five years, and something that you see a lot more of in talking about women's rights, which is amazing. But what does that look like in a biblical context in marriage? Pastor Warren. Um. Yeah, it is a great question. For us, um, yeah, we, we've figured out our roles in the house, in our marriage. Um, we've, we've figured it out. <laughs> Do you want to touch yeah, more? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, I think, because it depends what the person asking mm-hmm. the question is saying there. So theologi- let me give you a theologically. Brittany and I would both probably fall in the category, if you wanted to box it in, because really we just try to read the Bible and obey it, <laughs> But the name given to it would be what's called a soft complementarism. And that is that God's designed man and woman equally in value, totally equally in value. Not No one's better than the other. But there are things uh, generally that were designed in the context of a relationship where Brittany will have exceptions to the rule. Of course, there that generally, again, for most of us would be the case. Are there exceptions to the rule? Of course, there is. Um, so we would be what's called a soft complementarism versus a egalitarian. Is that the right word? Ego, yeah. Which would mean that um, that there's not none of that. It's just whatever. And any of those ideas are just socially constructed ones. Um, I think ivory again, ivory extremes too crazy. Uh, guys, cook cook dinner, do the dishes, serve your wife, wives or dating relationships, uh, serve your husband, serve you know, love each other. Um, don't make each other do stuff you don't want to do. So if it's talking about traditional ideas in this last kind of 100 years, um, they're not necessarily biblical, but they're not necessarily wrong. And I think there's a bit of a movement now that if anybody naturally falls into, if, if a, a lady fell into wanting to stay at home and raise the kids, cook for her husband and do that thing, she's shamed now for wanting to do that rather than just being, hey, we're all people who all have a unique calling, a, a unique thing, and to do that. Or if someone desire of, of a um, lady's heart, she should be empowered to do that, not shamed to do that. Or if someone's not like that, they should be empowered and not shamed to do it mm-hmm. either. And you, you compliment, like, I would cheer him on if he wanted to stay home with the kids and my heart was to go to work. Like, we would both compliment each other in a way that it's like, you're doing great at this. You make dinner every night or vice versa. Yeah, I'm sure there's more to that question, but if you want to talk more about it Texas. and help define it. Um, 
I, I, the theory of me staying home with the kids is awesome, and I always say that. And then when I do a, a day of it, I'm like, I can't do this, Brit. After two hours I cannot of being do this. Home, You're amazing. <laughs> I cannot do this. I'm like, I age like five years in a day. <laughs> Brit comes home, the kids are literally bouncing on my head. I'm, I'm, just, I'm done. I gave up. But so she does awesome. It's great. Yeah, you can always come, like they said, and talk with them more about of this course, after. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, many married people, not speaking from experience here, who have waited to sleep together until marriage express disappointment or feeling underwhelmed or even feelings of shame. Church believers could do a better night. Do you think we as church, as the church believers, could do a better job at having these conversations and creating realistic expectations all the way from being single up until being married? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> We're trying to do it now um, by having these conversations, but also we're trying to do it um, with our relationship conference on the 27th. Um, mm -hmm. if we're going to have things there. It's not just about marriage. It's about we're having um, the issue of sexuality talked about at that conference. We're going to have breakouts for singleness. Again, singleness is not just I'm just single till I'm married. It's actually uh, such an amazing season and sometimes permanent thing that God has for people but yes, I do think the church, we haven't done a great job of it. Not always the church's fault. It takes the world and the church back and forth sometimes. Um, yeah, sorry, you go ahead. Being married, if you're married, whatever. Um, like getting around people, Steve and I would love to be open with you if you're getting married, if you're married, whatever. To talk honestly about it. To talk honestly about the wedding night, about anything. Put it out there. Um, I didn't know what to do on the wedding night. So... <laughs> But I had a lifetime I knew I was committing to with him. And that was the blessing in that, is that it might have been what's happening. <laughs> because everyone, I think, hypes up that whole marriage, or not the marriage, the wedding day itself. And they forget that it's a lifetime figuring it out. Or it's however long figuring it out with that person. Um, yeah, it, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, sex, sex yeah. has become an idol, not just in the world, but in the church. Yeah. Um, and I think we can either, sometimes people treat it as God, or the other extreme of that is they treat it as gross, rather than as something God's designed as a lifelong commitment between, to best flourish in a lifelong commitment between two people. Um, why would we be good at anything? But, you know, it's Brittany and I, uh, now that's not to say that we should do it beforehand, um, but, you know, so Brittany and I uh, were, were blessed and that we made the decision uh, early on that we wouldn't sleep together before marriage. And even though we were long distance, um, we still visited each other. There was still opportunity. But we decided that, no, this is a lifelong commitment. So just like when I watch my sons try to walk now, they, they, it takes a process. And that's what sex in marriage couple, it's, um, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So, yeah. I, we'll give it another 10. So if... I know we've rambled on a bit, but I don't want to waste people's time. So if you did want to skip ahead. Um, yeah. Okay. To I'm going to ask one more here and then we'll, we'll hit the uh, texting questions. Um, there's still some great ones. Okay. Uh, we know that, once again, not me when I say we, know that all marriages go through different seasons, some being harder than others. And particularly in this last year, seeing divorce rates go up and couples struggling with isolation. What would you say in general to married couples who are in a difficult season? It's, it's worth fighting. <laughs> we, we fight. Fighting for or fighting with? 
fighting for you. Oh, good. <laughs> it's worth fighting about stuff as well. I yeah. think it'll probably be a question on that. And I think that, yeah, in our disagreements, yes, it gets heated. It's um, Stephen in an argument. He's one that needs to figure out the why right then and there. For me, I'm like, please be quiet. I need to sleep on this. Figure out my answer, and I'll get back to you in 10 hours. Match made in heaven. <laughs> so, but with that, in the, um, in the Bible, it says to not let the sun go down on our anger. And so that's been a huge thing that I've been learning because I can fall asleep in an argument because I'm thinking of an answer. Well, he will be pacing downstairs for like wee hours in the morning trying to figure out how to, what's the matter with me? How to upstairs. save the day, how to make it better. <laughs> I'd say that's the biggest area of, of, you know, we have kept ourselves physically, but in marriage, one of the things that relate to that um, is, is anger continuously. That's something, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and that kind of thing, working that out, not a sim, but our biggest thing is our conflict, and COVID has uh, in definitely intensified that thing um, between married couple, um, domestic abuses up, divorces up, um, child abuses up, these horrible things that have taken place, and it's not, not a good situation, and that's one of the reasons why, um, personally, I'm against the lockdowns we have, and we won't go down that road, but there is a trade-off to being safe from physically, and that's that emotionally people are overwhelmed and anxious. But then I, my advice to couples in that situation would be, you can do it, you can get through it, call people, get through it, and then I have to remind myself how thankful I am that I have somebody, for you guys who have been single during this process, it's a whole different battle if you've been living by yourself. Um, you're facing anxiety and things alone, and uh, again, you can get through it, you can do it, you can reach out virtually, but uh, us people who do have relationships and friendship. Calling a friend, booking a kid. We've have got to be thankful that we've had that. Yeah, and calling calling a friend, booking a counseling session is not frowned, like, it's not frowned upon. It's something, if you need that to help give you ideas to talk out things, do it. Absolutely. Do whatever it takes. Um, and it, that comes back to that yoke. If he, like, he would agree to it, I would agree to it. We would f fight for it together because our marriage is the most important thing to us. Awesome. There's some other ones too, but we're going to hop on over to the texting question. So this is your last opportunity. If you want to text in a question to Pastor Stephen Britt, now's your chance. Um, if there's anything that they didn't touch on. Um, what are some practical and biblical ways to get through a breakup? Get a friend, get ice cream, <laughs> talk it out. Um, I think especially... If talk to a friend that's open further than you wanted to in the relationship, talk to someone, talk to a friend that's open about it, um, that you could pray with, that, um, yeah, just talk it out. Because it's grieving. It's grieving a part of you that was with someone else for a time. Um, and, but our God can heal. And so I think getting around a community and your friends that you can talk to openly and honestly, as a woman, do it, however that looks. That's really good. I think we already established that dating isn't biblical. No, just kidding a little bit there. But it really depends on your definition of dating. If you mean a committed relationship, like Britt was saying, of course, that's devastating. You, you haven't been through them. But before I was a Christian, again, God, I didn't, um, Brittany, I didn't sleep with anyone before Britt or whatever, but I had some long-term relationships as a teenager. And uh, no matter w whether it's physical or not, they can really hurt and mess you up a lot. And... Um, 
And it, that's, I think, one of the reasons why we can look at God's word as like, oh, why is God like that towards us? Why wouldn't he let us? Why relationships are painful. And his heart is always to protect and love. And that's why relationships are painful, especially if it went down a road that in hindsight you wish you didn't because you thought he was or she was going to be the one or, or whatever. Um, and then it didn't turn out that way. There's a lot of hurt. Biblically, uh, if you're physical in that way with somebody, uh, you become one. So then all of a sudden you're cutting the one in half again. Painful. And God can deliver you. God can come through. But um, again, yeah, having some good friends around you, seeking God, uh, remembering that uh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing. Romans tells, all the Bible tells us that there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from his love. And, um, and you will get through it. And God has greater days ahead for you if you're willing to push into him and not become a victim, but become a victor over that circumstance. It's great. Um, wow, so many wonderful questions. Um, how can you have a successful relationship when one person has had sex before, maybe hasn't? And what are some boundaries you can set up? Maybe two people coming from different backgrounds and have made different choices. I think it comes. You can, you can choose to draw a line in the sand. We'll give you an opportunity to, tonight. We can pray with whoever. Draw a line in the sand and say, from this moment on, we're staying pure. We're going um, to fight for this. You can fight for your purity. You can fight. We, we did it. We didn't have sex before marriage. You can do it. But tonight, you can, if you are dating someone who has it, whatever, draw a line in the sand, um, and you both can walk it out together strengthened but pointing as long point yourself to christ because he'll give you the strength to walk it out get yourself around community they'll get yourself to walk it out yeah um again like Brent and i aren't up here saying that well we're better in any way we're not mm -hmm. we've had our own struggles and things that have happened so the awesome thing is i just feel for you guys because it is such a sacred thing and so the awesome thing is that uh in christ you're a new creation and I just want to read this scripture because if you're, if genuinely, I'm assuming the person is now saying, are you guys, yeah, one person's had a past in that area, the other hasn't, and it's a bit of a tension in the, in the relationship. I don't know if the person's putting pressure on or not, but I'm assuming the idea and the, the hope is that you guys can work towards a godly relationship. It says um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, so from now on, Okay, so from now on what? Well, now that we know Christ, now that we've recommitted our life to Christ, now that we're committing our relationship to Christ, whatever it is in Christ, it says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So a worldly point of view would say, you're past this, you're past that, you will never become this because of that. That's the worldly, that's not the kingdom point of view. It says, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Christ and gave us the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And I want you to hear those words tonight. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. At any point in a relationship with God, we can step back into that covenant and that promise of God. Your past doesn't define you. It might explain a little bit about you. It doesn't define you. Christ's new creation defines you. 
and you can get through it. You can have an amazing relationship. Many of our friends, many of the people in this church have had that story, but they've allowed Jesus to come in and for forgiveness to flow and for non-judgment to flow and grace, and they've come out of it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, some boundaries, I would say, is have a cutoff time. Say, set an uh, alarm on your phone if you need to, that when the thing rings, separate. It's a good one. Cause, and keep the lights on. Nothing happens good <laughs> when the lights are off. Um, keep the light on. Set a time. Um, just because having groups of friends. If we're, yeah, if we're sounding old school, that's okay. I don't care. Um, just because something's old school doesn't mean it's wrong. Sometimes old school things became old school for a reason over years and years of time. And I think, um, you know, it's great to go to the movies when we can. Come on, Jesus, open up the movies again. Um, go out to dinner, do these things in the dating process or the relations, that kind of side of things. Um, and then do things in groups of people. Um, and then limit, I'm not saying totally eliminate, but you need to make this judgment for your relationship and yourself. Li- uh, limit how much time you do spend to each other one-on-one. Because if it is the one for you, if you are going to go to that next level of relationship, um, you have a, a lifetime ahead to do that kind of thing. And, uh, but doing stuff in the context of community is awesome. Yeah. Good and boundary to have. You can even have someone accountable. If you have someone that you can text or someone that will text you at a certain time, be like, I'm hanging out with this person tonight. They text them and it's like, okay, you need to leave or call or go pick them up. Friends are, this is what friends do. And then we'll wrap it up. Okay. And we want the best for you. That's great. We'll do one or two more and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. We got a question. As a married couple, what do you find is most effective in growing together spiritually? Going to church. I remember I told Steve once he didn't show up um, for church at Bible college. And I said. like a lot of services on a weekend. This was one service on the weekend. So it was like Saturday night. Two, two, three on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, and a midweek on Wednesday. That is Bible college students you had to go to. He didn't show up on Sunday morning. I called him, and I said, if you do not show up to church with me, we are not going to work out. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. You know, I mean, I was just out evangelizing people like that <laughs> night. <and laughs> serving the Lord. Surfing, you know. No, but that's a great principle. For, for us, we, um, we totally, I totally believe that and echo that. Yeah, the church, go to church together. Our learning styles are very different. Um, how we pray is very different, all this stuff. So where uh, often she's uh, going to be pretty difficult for Brit to um, stick with the same one of me at the moment because often she's uh, going between two kids Well, and I'm at, you know, I can listen on the way to work or something like that. But uh, we love the word together, but we don't, haven't found that jam yet. We pray together. Um, we pray with our kids every night, but serving in the church together for us has been that one that's really helped us grow. Okay, I'll do one more. I, we do apologize if we didn't get to your question. Please come and, and chat with, with Pastor Stephen Brett afterwards. Um, should there be a timeline on courting slash dating? Uh, yes. <laughs> Someone wants to get married. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I love it. I each each to your own. I say it's so different depending on um, experience. And I I would say if you're waiting, and and sorry to single you guys out. There's there's (laughs) many a people in that situation. Honestly, I only do it because I know you can take it. (laughs) Um, There's many people in different circumstances. Um, One thing I think I see a lot of young people. 
I'm using that as kind of a young person still, but wait for is when finances are figured out. Um, I don't know if finances are ever figured out in the world we live in at the moment. So I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't bank everything on waiting till all your finances are figured out because then as soon as you get married, you have different finances that come up. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait for a sign from God necessarily. Like I would have. Hopefully by that point, there's been many signs from God, and there is. I don't. I don't believe there is a the right one for someone. I believe there's a right one. Okay, I'm just flipping your theology there, but I, I'm. Like, I don't think there's a, because what if Brittany, so for in our story here, what if Brit, um, in her free will choice, decided to delay Bible college a year and didn't meet me? Does that mean she missed out? That's not our God. Um, what if something had happened, uh, the right one, but a right one, she met someone else. But I believe God has, um, so he, he does have the right one, but a right one that's going to be compatible in that with you. So uh, I don't think it needs to be super long. But you got to figure that out for yourself and, um, and pray to God. But don't wait for everything to be perfect. There's a proverb that talks about a farmer going and he goes out to sow his seed um, to throw it. And it's too windy on one day. I don't know if anyone's read this one. Um, on another day, maybe it's a parable. Uh, on another day, it's, um, it's too dry. On another day, it's too wet. So he doesn't. And then all of a sudden, he's missed the season. And I think that's kind of just figuring out the season and talking to God about that and and what's right for you in that. Yeah, I actually heard once um, someone, this is not a timeline per se, but when you're dating someone for four to six months, you should roughly know if you're going to want to continue a further relationship with them. Um, and for me, that was for us. I, I had, I, I'm a black and white person, yes, so I had a time frame. <laughs> I said, okay, by this time, if Stephen is the one for me, God, you need... The story's different. Yes, Kay. and he did, and that's it. Everyone's story is different. Yes. Okay, so just remember that. This is our story. Ours was about 14 months. Yeah. Awesome. I hope that was okay, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Let's give it up um, for Pastor Stephen and Britt. This was the, the first time we've done something. Thanks, Serana. You did a great yes, job. Thanks, Serana. Well In the hot seat. <laughs> uh, we can have Phoenix come up maybe here. We just want to pray to end and, and play a bit of worship. But mm -hmm. um, if you guys ever, like, our heart again is just to... Um, to love and serve you where you're at, and relationships are the most complicated thing. Uh, I, I did a blog for C3 College this week talking about the theology of relationships because it's wired into us from creation. I, um, the Bible says that we're made in God's image. Now, if you study the Word of God, it shows that God is one God but three persons of that relation, or the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. So we don't need relationships. Uh, I don't care how extroverted, how... Uh, much you've convinced yourself that we don't need relationships. Everybody needs healthy relationships, friendships, could be marriage, maybe not, whatever it is. And so because it's wired into us from creation, it's actually the most complicated thing. We've given some general answers, some very general answers. Um, and maybe it's helpful, maybe it's applied to you. And, but there's complexities that we can't tackle from here. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you about that. He is our great guide. He is our, our counselor. And if you're, for whatever reason, circumstances didn't fall in line with ours, that's totally okay. We're not up here claiming we know everything in any way. Um, and Brittany wants to end with something as well. But maybe I can just pray into that. Um, so, Lord, I just thank you that uh, above all else, Holy Spirit, I know you're in each person here today, whether they know it or not. And I pray that you would guide them in their relationships. 
um, with the questions of timelines, with the questions of is this the right person or not, with the questions of have we gone too far or not, Lord, and that you're not condemning to loving whisper to come and speak to people right now, and that you're not condemning anybody, Lord, you're not, uh, you're not judging anybody, you're inviting them to the best relationship they can have. You're inviting them into maybe something greater. You're inviting all of us into something greater, whether that's our current marriages, dating, our friendships, our future marriages. I believe your invitation is always for something better. So I pray you would speak and you would guide, Lord, and and you would redirect our words where they came out wrong or where they triggered something in somebody. I pray that you would be the one who comes in and counsels people in these circumstances. Uh, And I just, I thank you, God, that you're doing that. Yeah, this has actually been on my mind all week. So this is to my single ladies. You were bought at a price no man can fulfill. there's There's someone in here. No man can fulfill this relationship with someone too. To be with someone, because it's gonna ache if you're in a relationship with someone too. Because it's only our Heavenly Father with his unconditional love and his unfailing love that will be able to love you the way you need to be loved and you want to be loved. It's only him. No man will be able to do that. Stephen, he has faults. (laughs) Men have faults. Women, we have faults. No one can fulfill that other than our Heavenly Father. So I just want to pray, single, dating, wherever you're at, to all the ladies. Lord Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us unconditionally, Lord God. That your love is unfailing, Lord Jesus. That man's love may fail, but your love, Lord God, can just fill us from head to toe right now, Lord Jesus. So if there's anyone in this room tonight, God, that just needs a dose of your love, Lord Jesus, fill them, Lord God. Fill the voids that they might have in their heart, Lord God, because you're the only one that can fulfill that. No man will be able to fulfill. Lord God, just visit. You are not their center, Lord Jesus. So we pray, Lord God, that, Lord God, just visit them today, God. Allow that love to just pour over them, Lord Jesus. Let them know they're worth waiting for, that they are worth it. Lord Jesus, we just pray, Lord God, you wrap your arms around them. Lord God, if there's any broken hearts in this room, Jesus, that you heal the broken hearts, God. We thank you, God, that you can restore, Lord God, what may have been stolen away. Lord God, you can restore our hearts, Lord God. So we thank you, Lord God, that tonight they can draw a line in the sand, that tomorrow is a new day, Lord God, that they can walk out a pure life, pure heart towards you, Jesus, that that void can be filled with your presence as they walk it out, Lord Jesus. Yeah, in closing tonight, um, I just want to give an invitation uh, and you can come and visit me after the service because I think the biggest contrast between the way, the true way, is the relationships and um, the, the biblical way and, and the kingdom way, the true way, is that the world looks to someone else to be our savior, but there's only one savior. And in relationship with him, we can figure out all the messed up stuff, but too often married people, dating people, friendships, families, sons and fathers, um, mothers and daughters, look to the other person with an expectation that they were never meant to carry, only Jesus was. And you may have been here tonight and you don't even 
have a relationship with God and some of the stuff we've talked about seems a bit goofy or a bit funny. Maybe some of it was helpful, but you've had this thing inside you that you want to get right with God. Um, he's done everything to have a great relationship with you and enter into a relationship. It just requires us saying yes to that. And I want to invite you into that greatest relationship you can have that I believe in turn will, will trickle out and work out our other relationships even though this, and we'd love to pray with anybody. If you've never made that decision, I'd love to meet with you afterwards. And, um, and we'd love to pray with anybody who anything came up from tonight. So I think that's, that's it. Hey, Serana, thanks for being here at C3 East Village, our quip night tonight. And, um, and we really do pray and hope you have an amazing week. There's opportunities to connect outside of our Sunday services. We have connect groups. Um, and so you can see Brad uh, and about pocket groups, connect groups. If you just want to find, you're finding this two-week gap between services, and I'm praying that that finishes soon. I believe God has a place for us, and we're stepping into a time where we're going to be able to go back to weekly meetings. We're going to be able to host different events soon, do different things. But on the week where we don't have a service, we have multiple connect groups running virtually at the moment. Um, see him. We'd love you to stay connected. But the next service is on the 21st of February. There's going to be extended time of worship, of prayer. It's going to look more like a service rather than an equip night. And we're going to continue to keep doing it this way. So hope to see you there. Uh, if it's your first time, please let one of us know. We'd love you to fill out a card so we can. Thanks for being here. Have an amazing weekly news that's going on. And we love you guys. We hope tonight we were able to serve you in some way. Thanks for being here. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.